Welcome to Creepypasta Theater, a show where we explore the strange world of creepypasta. Join us as we hear tales best left untold, travel roads best left unexplored, and see sights best left unseen. Today's story, The Witches and the Circle. Written by Eric Dodd. This story can be found on creepypasta.wikia.com and is protected by Creative Commons License. My great aunt died the year before. Her house was locked up in probate until issues of inheritance were settled. My father was acting as a caretaker of the property, which meant I took care of the place while my old man bought booze with my great aunt's money. I don't mind. It got me out of my place, away from my old man, and made it a nice place to have parties and hang out with my friends. My friend Chris loved the place. I think he also needed a place to hide, somewhere away from his own house with all of his dead mother's things lying around, right where she left them, before a sleep-depraved truck driver snuffed out her life like a candle on a store-bought birthday cake. Our big plan was to host a Halloween party just for our small group of friends. Chris quickly latched on to the idea of having a seance and spent a lot of his time at the library or at some of the local used bookstores researching. I told him it was no big deal, that it was just a stupid party trick, but he insisted on getting it right. I guess Chris was messed up about his mother's death. I should have thought about that and why he was so concerned with contacting the dead, but he didn't talk about her very much, and as I said before, I was stupid. There are things that happen when you are 19 that stay with you. You don't think they will, but they do. If that's not the definition of haunted, I don't know what is. I met Chris as he was walking back from the dollar store that evening. He was carrying several bags of Halloween candy, some chips, and a few bottles of soda. He climbed into my car and I drove us to the house. He dumped the candy into a large plastic bowl and smacked my hand when I tried to flinch some. That's for the trick-or-treaters, jerk, he said. As the afternoon faded into evening, the trick-or-treaters did show up, giggling in their Spider-Man and Incredible Hulk masks. I doled out candy while Chris ordered pizza and set up food on the kitchen table. Pete, Liz, and Sophia arrived by 8. I was excited that Sophia had shown up as I had been crushing on her for months. But at 6'4", 140, and bright red curly hair, I looked like a scarecrow that had tried to dress up like Ronald McDonald. Sophia was tiny, cool, beautiful, 
with jet black hair and skin that may have never seen the sunlight. She was my secret reason for having the party. <laughs> I didn't stand a chance, but a guy can hope. Liz was Pete's longtime girlfriend. She was almost as tall as me, with a shaved head, several piercings, and full sleeve tattoos on both arms. I'm pretty smart, but Liz was a genius. She aced every exam without trying, and was taking college-level classes in ninth grade. We had been friends for several years, and had shared several classes at high school until she dropped out halfway through 12th grade. The vice principal told her in no uncertain terms that she would not allow a tattooed freak like Liz to represent the school as valedictorian. Liz broke the woman's jaw in two places, and that was pretty much it for Liz's public education. Pete was wrecked when he walked through the door. I had been friends with Pete since we were toddlers. His mother had worked with mine at the same hospital before my mother left town. I loved Pete like he was a brother. He had several bad habits. Self-destruction being high on the list. He nodded his hello, then staggered to the cabinet where my great-aunt kept her liquor and liberated a bottle of peach schnapps. By nine, Pete had retired to the monstrous old red couch in the living room, old cloth over his eyes and a bucket by his side. Why is he overindulging? I asked Liz as we shoved the furniture out of the way. Chris and Sophia rolled up the large area rug, exposing the hardwood floor underneath. Failed his driver's license exam, Liz said, rolling her eyes. Again? Chris said, brushing his thick brown hair out of his eyes. This is what, the fifth time to take it? I thought they just gave it to you out of pity after five tries. At least he didn't vomit blueberry pancakes on the instructor's shoes like he did last time, Sophia said. The heavy old grandfather clock in the living room bonged ten times. Chris stood up. Okay, everybody, let's get started. Liz tried to get Pete to join us, but he was fast asleep. Chris returned to the room carrying a large wooden box. He opened the box and removed a small jar of salt and several candles. He motioned for us to sit in a circle, and he poured salt in a double ring around us. He poured another smaller double ring a few feet away in front of the fireplace. He then carefully taped down several pieces of paper, onto which he had previously drawn strange geometric symbols. I took the candles and positioned them at points around the circles, then lit them with my zippo. Chris motioned for us to sit within the larger circle. He dimmed the lights and joined us. We took our positions around a small wooden toolbox. The circle was small. When Sophia sat next to me, her, her knee touched mine. I tried to concentrate on something other than her perfume. Chris folded open the top and removed a metal bowl, which he placed into a metal stand. He pulled some pieces of wood from the box, put them in the bowl, 
and lit them. He pulled a fabric-shrouded object from the box and placed it in front of him. The dark cloth revealed a book bound in black leather, and when Chris opened the yellow pages, instead of brittle, they turned with an odd ease. Chris flipped through the pages, and when he stopped, the yellow pages lay slackly open without a hint of curling. He began a low chant in a sing-song rhythm. While chanting, Chris dropped wads of dried herbs into a metal bowl. Heavy, acrid smoke billowed up, stinging our eyes. Ancient spirits, Chris said as we stared at him with rapt attention. Ancient spirits, hear us. We beseech you. Ancient spirits, hear our call. Ancient spirits, answer us. Ancient spirits, come to us. Ancient spirits, the way is open. Ancient spirits, take this offering and come to us. Chris ran a scalpel, a scalpel that none of us had seen across the palm of his hand. Lisa recoiled in shock. The blood sizzled as it met the flames in the bowl. Jesus, Chris, Sophia said. He shushed her with a glance. Ancient spirits, Chris called. Hear us. The way is open. Answer our... The doorbell chimed. We all jumped, including Chris. The doorbell chimed again, though... Through the door, we heard muffled voices. Trick or treat. Sophia huffed and rolled her eyes. The ancient spirits are here and they want candy. I thought you turned off the porch light. She stood up and walked to the door. She flipped on the porch light and opened the door. Two little kids were standing there, both dressed like witches with pointy hats and green masks. They giggled, shoved their widespread pillowcase sacks towards Sophia and yelled, Trick or treat! at the tops of their lungs. Sophia looked around for the candy dish and then saw it on the kitchen table. It was empty, save for some wrappers. Sorry kids, we're all out. That's what it means when the porch lights are off. The kids looked at each other for a moment. Can we come inside for a minute, ma'am? My sister really has to go to the bathroom. Sophia nodded and stood aside as two little pointy witch hats bobbed past. As the shorter of the pair went to the bathroom, the taller stood near the couch next to Pete. She said nothing and was very still. I found myself sneaking glances at her mask. It seemed far too elaborate for a child's mask, and the black pits that hit her eyes seemed to drink the light. There was a crash from the hallway leading to the bathroom. Chris and I jumped to our feet and ran to see what had happened. The smaller of the two children kneeling at the entrance to the hallway. I'm really sorry I broke the mirror on the wall. My hat is too big and it must have caught the frame. I tripped. I can't see where I'm going. She tilted her head down and began to cry softly. It's just a cheap old mirror, Chris said. 
He extended a hand. His hand cut. I thought to myself, without knowing why, he pulled her up. It's getting late. Your parents must be worried. Yes, it's almost midnight. Sister, we should be going. We turned to see the sister leaning over Pete's sleeping form. Green mask pressed close to his ear. Hey, what are you doing to Pete? Liz said. She stood and walked towards the taller child. He was sleeping, the taller witch said, shrugging. Her rubbery green nose bobbled. I was telling him to have sweet dreams. The two children left, clutching their pillowcase sacks and jostling each other as they walked down the sidewalk. I watched them go, and as I saw them turn the corner, I think I may have seen them both taking turns licking at the smaller one's hand. We shut off the lights, bolted the front door, and relit a few candles that had gone out. Chris picked up his book again, and we rejoined him inside the salt circle. Ancient spirits, hear us, he cried. Ancient spirits, we call on you. Ancient spirits, hear our call. Ancient spirits, answer us. The grandfather clock began to toll. The first of twelve. Chris sprinkled some more sage into the redly glowing metal bowl. Ancient spirits, we beseech you. A candle went out. Sophia snorted and put her hand on mine. My heart slammed to a stop. Then I realized that she was only trying to pull the Zippo I had been fidgeting with out of my hand. She winked, then reached over to light the candle. Another candle went out. And another. The room was plunged into murky darkness, only lit from the flickers of the coals in the metal bowl. Okay, said Chris with only a slight tremor to his voice. The ancient spirits have heard our call and have responded. He shifted slightly and closed the box. On the top of the box was an ornate inlay of letters and numbers in the style of a Ouija board. Chris drew a small white planchette from his shirt pocket and beckoned for us to place our hands upon it. We moved the planchette on the board in small, slow circles. Ancient spirits, are you here with us? Something crashed in the kitchen. I made as if to get up, and Chris motioned for me to stop. Don't leave the circle, he said. Stay inside the circle. Never break it. Nothing can harm you if you don't cross the boundary. We placed our hands back on the planchette. Ancient spirits, are you here with us? Chris asked again. The planchette slowly moved to a corner. Yes. Boards creaked in the darkened room around us. This is too spooky, Chris, Sophia said. It feels like something is watching us. It... Oh! Sophia looked down. In the twitching red glow of the flames, a shadow seemed to spread across Sophia's chest. She looked up at us and opened her mouth to speak. A flood of blackness flowed out of her mouth and down her chin. She slumped forward, knocking over the metal bowl. The burning coals scattered. Sophia! I lunged towards her. The smoldering coal 
burned my hand, but I didn't feel it. I could only think about Sophia's beautiful hair. It was on fire. Get the lights, Chris yelled, standing. He shoved me off Sophia out of the circle. I scrambled to my feet. I could see nothing in the inky blackness. Liz was screaming over and over. A wall should have been inches away, but I felt nothing. I reached out frantically. My fingertips caught something. The sleeve of a shirt? It jerked away. There was a blinding, burning pain on my arm. I fell flat and away, clutching the wound. Blood soaked through the sleeve of my shirt. I crouched low, trying to see something, anything. I turned back to the circle. Liz's mouth, an O of surprise, jerked back. Her slashed throat sprayed blood across the room. It smelled like copper. I turned to the right, arm out. I ran. My hand slammed into a doorway with force. A fingernail peeled back. I dropped to my knees then crawled forward. My fingers met the cold steel of the refrigerator. I flung the door open. Light flooded the kitchen. I huddled in the corner, shaking. I heard a racking scream from the other room. Chris! I snatched a heavy cast iron frying pan from the stove. Heavy pan raised high, I stood to the side of the doorway. Blood trickled into a pool in the elbow of my shirt. I heard the slow slide of footsteps. There was a low, whispering breath. I was paralyzed. What if it was Chris or Sophia? Light glinted off of the butcher knife. I swung as hard as I could. My lips peeled back in a rictus grin. I grunted an involuntary, Ha! The edge of the cast iron pan caved in Pete's face as if it were a Sunday morning egg. He went down in an untidy heap. I swung and swung, bashing his head until it was a lumpy mess, until his body stopped twitching. Still clutching the pan, I ran for the front door. It took me an hour. The front door couldn't have been further than 15 feet away. It felt like miles. As I stumbled and crawled to the door, terrible things whispered to me, laughed at me, mocked me. I saw the dim shapes scuttle away as I looked, eyes straining to see my attackers. They darted and gouged my flesh with claws and hot, grasping hands. I flailed blindly in the dark with the frying pan. But they only laughed. When I did reach the door, it was locked. I smashed the antique stained glass with a blow, then climbed through it, lacerating my hands and arms even more in the process. The official police report states that Peter McCulty, 19-year-old Caucasian male, several priors, including vandalism and possession, was under the influence of a large amount of controlled substances. Traces of Adderall, Effexor, PCP, Silobin, and certain other unidentified, experienced a psychotic break and killed several people. Initially, 
I was suspect number one. A police officer found me walking down the middle of the street, covered in blood and bleeding from dozens of cuts, fists clenched tightly around a cast iron pan. The police took a dim view of my story, and once it was determined that drugs had been involved, they ignored it completely. As far as the cops were concerned, a bunch of kids took some acid on Halloween. They played at a satanic ritual. Then, one went off his rocker and killed a few of the others. It happens every Halloween. I was remanded into psychiatric custody for two weeks. It was only after I was released that I found out that the police had only recovered three bodies, not four. They never found Chris or any trace of him. I have never gone back to that house. I think about going back every night. I take my meds, meds that make me forget mostly and suppress the whispers that I hear in those long black hours before dawn. But sometimes I still hear them. Every year as Halloween approaches, the voices get louder, even if I up my dose. They tell me terrible things. They tell me it was my fault. They tell me I was the one with the knife. You have been listening to a presentation of Point of Insanity Game Studio. Visit us on the web at poigamestudio.com. Follow us on Twitter at poigamestudio. Look us up on Facebook and email us at poigamestudio at gmail.com.